I'm trying to get my dinner in. And there's the drop. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another stunningly awesome edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, my name is Peter, and joining me today, first off, the man who I faced off on the field of battle in the Carabao Cup, Manchester United versus Luton Town, the good Dan Crook. Hello, Dan. Hey, Pete. I was really hoping there'd be a, another game of soccer to uh, follow up on that crushing defeat, but unfortunately it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll get around to that. Uh, thank you for letting our team win. Uh, we needed that. That was good for the confidence. Uh, thank you for the TV money our, my team gets now. <laughs> <laughs> Will you take me there someday, Dan, please? I, I want to see that little old-timey English stadium. Absolutely, but I will warn you, the last time I did that, a roof tile nearly hit me and the person that I was with on the head. Oh, that's very charming and quaint. All right, and then, of course, your hero and mine, the editor and founder of ThirdDegree.net. We call him the Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hello, Peter and Dan. Uh, I have to tell you that today is a red-letter day in the history of Third Degree the Podcast because we today have a sponsor. What? Yeah, presenting oh. sponsor. Uh, a local artist and musician, North Texas musician named Pappy Check. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-H-E-C-K. Pappy Check, two words. He uh, has an album out on Spotify, Apple Music title, that kind of thing. It's called Triple Dirk. I imagine you can figure out where that name comes from. He's a big FC Dallas fan. says Vamos FCD. Uh, he's got his album artwork has like jerseys from the team on it and stuff. So he he's, loves the podcast and wanted to support it. So if you get a chance, go listen to his music. I did, and I actually really liked it. I mean, I'm an old fuddy-duddy, but uh, there's definitely a hip-hop influence and some not-safe-for-work language. But it reminded me of like... Uh, early G love and special sauce with like a Latin kind of vibe. So if that sounds interesting to you, give it a listen and, and see what you think. And thanks uh, for uh Pappy check for uh, supporting the uh, podcast. Oh, Dan, I'm sorry. It's not very new direction. He like for you. Cause I know that's your favorite. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> no, it's, it's got, just give me the jam and I'm happy. So <laughs> it, it's got some hip hop. It's got some jazzy sort of right. Latin-y kind of vibe. I liked it. So give it a well, listen. That's, that's fa- Am I correct in saying this is the very first time third degree has gotten a, a legitimate sponsor in any way, shape or form in 23 years? Yes. An actual paid, like here's some money sponsorship. Yes, it is indeed. Excellent. That's uh, quite a monument. You know what you should ask Pappy to do is see if he's interested in uh, doing a theme song for the podcast. Wow, that's a, a really a good closing, idea. And a closing music bed. I think yeah, that'd be great. We should do that. That way we'll, we won't get blocked by uh, YouTube anymore for uh, uh, the other one we use. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. We'll get your very own music bed for the podcast. All right, Pappy, check. Um, I will uh, go check out his music. No, no pun intended. All right, so uh, we're recording this again uh, on Wednesday night, <laughs> just an hour or so after the conclusion of FC Dallas losing in Atlanta. But I will share with the two of you that I have the odd distinction of watching that game on the heels of watching the teams win in Kansas City from several days ago, back-to-back. I didn't get a chance to watch it on Saturday because we were on the air with the radio show, and I had other things going on, so I watched it 
in the hours before uh, tonight's game. So, Dan, can you help me figure out uh, the best? Because you're so eloquent with words. Can you help me figure out the best way to describe the differences between the two teams that I watched in these two different games? Well, the most eloquent way I could put that is night and day. <laughs> I knew you could pull it off. <laughs> Buzz, that's the PG uh, version anyway. That's the PG version, yes. All right, so we'll start with the game in Kansas City that everybody, I think, by and large came with with a really good feeling because going to Kansas City and getting a, uh, getting a win with a kind of restructured lineup is always a good thing, right, Buzz? Yeah, I mean, clearly Lucci's rotating his squad in both of these games with an eye on the uh, um, Orlando and Columbus games, which are coming up, which are two really, really good teams, whereas... Sporting has got a good amount of points, but had stumbled a little bit in Atlanta, of course, as was on a seven-game losing streak. But um, Nelson comes in, and it turned out Hollings had had a little bit of a knock, maybe. Uh, Cervania's in midfield, Fafa Pico, who we think is probably the guy eventually anyway, comes back in for um, Mascara. So um, the intensity is the thing that was different, the, the intensity versus Kansas City. Now, going to Kansas City is a place that Dallas loves to go and play and win. You remember Ryan's quote, Dan. Um, so the intensity is there from them. The intensity is there from Dallas, who obviously, as a club, seems to respond to the competition and play the way the competition is playing. So um, it was it was a heck of a game in terms of the intensity of it, the fire in it. It was so enjoyable, and that's such a contrast from the Atlanta game, which is uh, like just like a big old lump in the middle of a field and not worth a whole lot. So uh, the big thing to come out of the uh, Kansas City game was the double, uh, excuse me, the big thing to come out of the Kansas City game was the brace by Frank O'Hara, who again is really starting to uh, come good for the team. And if I was still writing articles for thirddegree.net, I would want to write an article asking the question, has FC Dallas finally found their number nine? Dan, have they found him in Frank O'Hara? Well, we'll find out when the uh, the article by Peter Welton drops in the next few days. <laughs> Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not going to happen. Nat, Nat, you're retired from that, I'm asking you. Do you guys think that dude. this is the dude? It's definitely nice to have somebody that knows how to get in the box and put their foot on the ball. That's uh, something that's definitely been missing since Blas Perez. Yeah, I think it's the guy, the, the nine for now. Unfortunately, given his age, you're not going to get more than maybe two seasons out of him, but it's nice to have a guy that clearly plays at a very high level in terms of soccer brain, in terms of knowing where to be, in terms of subtlety and class of his moves. I mean, obviously would like to move faster, but um, you know, he's getting results. And if, if you, if you can score, it's five and five now. So if you can score a goal a game, that's, I mean, what more could you possibly ask for? That's a phenomenal. Usually we'll go every other game is fine. A goal a game is tremendous. Well, also uh, it's just okay. nice to have a, you know, a season pro who's, Football IQ is absolutely on a different planet from what we've got at FC Dallas. Uh, sometimes you'll see Ricardo Pepe and Jesus Ferreira, tonight included at certain times, run around like headless chickens. So having a guy who is a bit on the slower side and knows how to play the ball across his body and how to draw the defender in, how to make a yard of space for himself and, and you know pass that on to, to the younger players is... is Prino probably worth his massive salary alone. He also is quite the battler, too. I've been super impressed with his willingness uh, to throw out a work rate and fight for a ball 
again, considering his age and his pedigree, you don't always see that uh, in guys his age that come uh, come over to MLS. And so that's been a really nice addition to his game. Uh, and he also seems to have uh, done some effort in ingratiating himself within the rest of the roster. Yeah, I think if you put in the work, that'll go a long way to ingratiating yourself to the rest of the roster. And even when he scored on balls from Ziegler and went out of his way to celebrate with Ziegler, he's putting in hard defensive runs and checks late in games. You know, he's celebrating with his teammates. He's doing everything on the field. Now, we don't know about off the field, of course, but on the field, he's doing everything he can to make himself part of this team now. That clearly was not the case for like the first three games when he was here. So, um, all right. So the rest of the rest of the time from the Kansas City game was a, a rather impressive display and a, a spirited display from the team. Um, uh, you know, against the Kansas City team again, that like you said, Buzz really likes to put in a fight. Uh, Peter Vermees is loving to complain. Mm. Um, I I do wonder though because it does appear that while Lucci has settled on a four man back line as a starting formation are are we all on the same page that maybe we question how quickly he went to shutting the game down yeah he definitely likes the 4-3-3 whichever triangle version you prefer Um, and he definitely of late has gone to that I mean I I can't even call it a three-man back line because the last couple times he did it it was definitely 5-4-1 you know like a shut the game down kind of vibe I I agree with you Peter that at least I think I agree with what you're asking which is that um he went to it way too early in this game to go 30 minutes of shut down a game and bunker a game is, I mean, that's, that's a tall, tall ass. Now he said something about, they liked the, the the exploitation it would make on the wide spaces with speed over the top. I mean, sure. When you're sitting in low block, that's how you attack. I mean, I get that, but 30 minutes of that is a lot to ask. Well, he was talking about as well because I'd asked him in the in the press conference after the game, and uh, he said, you know, they'd identified some overloads coming down the outside from Sporting Kansas City, and they just wanted to shut it down. Uh, he did also claim that was starting in the seventy fourth minute when it was really closer to the sixtieth. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it definitely came a little bit too soon. You know, a lot of people were starting to say when. Uh, when SKC grabbed the equalizer, that you know that that's totally on Lucci, and yeah, so I mean, you know, certainly situations that players are put in can can certainly be drawn back to that. But this game also kind of took a weird turn because Dallas went up two nothing, and uh, and really, you I think we all generally felt pretty good about the situation, and then Kansas City. Um, you know, got to cut. First off, Santiago Mascara misses Johnny Russell, just completely lets him go on a corner kick. I think oh. that's the is that the first or the second that's goal? That's the I first one. That's the first yeah. one. Um, and and the game just kind of got out of hand at that point. Uh, and one of the big disappointing aspects of the game for me was Brian Acosta, who I really don't know where I sit with him anymore because man, nothing is more frustrating than watching a veteran player get a second yellow as stupidly as he did in this game, leaving them uh, in, a, in a bad spot tonight in Atlanta, by the way. Yeah, I actually commented when he came into the game that I was loving his energy that he was bringing. But, you know, really quickly, he gets called three times for the exact same foul when he comes up behind a guy and gives him a little whack going for the ball. He got called for that. You have to recognize 
that you're getting called for that and stop doing it because he did it like six more times and it was just a matter of time before he was going to get a yellow card. I mean, that's, listen, there are moments when Costa's good, but there are some moments when Acosta's an idiot and this was one of those when he makes poor, poor decisions and gets himself and in, in the team in trouble. Yeah, and uh, it does make you wonder what his value long-term, considering as a DP and the amount of money they spent to get him, uh, what they're getting out of him. Yeah just doesn't seem to be uh, equating, uh, especially which is disappointing because there were signs that things were starting to come together for him. That was a, a disappointing moment. You know, the, the odd thing is you never apologize for winning on the road, but the reality is uh, that win is the byproduct of a really bad Graham Zussi mistake and also a just maybe one of the worst flat-out misses of an open goal by Gerso I think I've ever seen in all my years of watching soccer. Dallas really got a little bit fortunate in, in, in leaving Kansas City with the points. Yeah, they did. I mean, the, Kansas City gifted them the game at the end, but you have to like the fact that, you know, that Dallas was in it and had scored there and managed to scrape it together and salvage it together. Um, one of the things I came away with was, despite the, how much I respect Johnny Russell as a player, uh, if he'd have connected on that tackle on Brian Reynolds with about seven minutes left, that would have been a uh, seriously damaging ankle red card tackle when he went cleats up on him, which I didn't like that so much. But thankfully, yeah. Brian's fast and missed it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the other the other thing that come out of the game was all of the talk. Uh, Peter Vermees obviously loves to complain, and I swear, just after a couple of weeks ago of seeing him, he looks more and more like Herman Munster every day. Um, I... <laughs> He he was very unhappy about what he perceived to be a lot of time wasting, and and I I read I had read all of this online since I didn't watch the game the same day. I had read all of the reports and claims and social media back and forth, and, and Dallas clearly was in a game wasting mode uh, for a, an extended period of time. But to be fair, and one of the things that nobody mentioned in all of the complaining about it was, is they got eight minutes of added time to the game, which ultimately seemed pretty fair based on how much time wasting Dallas had done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, that's what Lucci said in in response to what he said. There was a, you know, the, the whole clips of them are like arguing on the field was just a, state in different opinions and at the end of the day anything fc dallas players did to waste any time gets added on by the officials tiago santos wasted an entire minute with the free kick an entire minute as added on it's uh this is the game and peter vermis can't talk he's uh you know that's that's his game how many times have we seen sporting kansas city you know pull in those sort of antics uh it's it's the pot calling the kettle black at the end of the day yeah, the one downside, of course, is that uh, Dallas has a, quote, reputation for that now. It started with Jesse Gonzalez, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's only a, really a problem in the sense if the referee comes in looking for it and the referee comes in vowing to himself that he's not going to let that kind of thing happen and he's going to nip this in the bud. And then it's a case of the ref putting himself on the game, and that's what you don't want. So as long as that doesn't happen, and it probably already has, uh, it's not that big a deal. Well, I, you know, I thought the the ref, there were parts of the ref's performance in the Kansas City game you could question, but when he started with six minutes and ended up with eight minutes of added time, um, I thought he handled it fairly well considering um, all the complaining that was going on uh, on both sides. 
for sure. Now, the one uh, really good thing to come out of the Kansas City game that did carry over to what was generally, I think we all would agree, as an overall poor performance in Atlanta would be Tanner Tessman, who was kind of asked to do two different roles in two different games, but by and large is really starting to live up to the billing and the promise that I think we all have for him. Yeah, I think there's no question. You know, his, his size makes him so difficult to knock off the ball. And he's much faster than he looks. He looks like he's gliding, but he covers immense amounts of ground. You know, against Atlanta tonight, he caught a guy from behind. People were like, what? I had no idea he was that fast. Uh, oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's the possession. I think against Atlanta, he was uh, pl- playing as a – I don't think – as a, against Atlanta, he was playing as a six. And he had, I think, 89 touches and 80% passing. You know, uh, plenty of defensive actions. You know, there are things to learn. He, he maybe drive those switch balls a little better. Uh, I'd like to see some of those long shots be a little more on target. He's not getting them through traffic right now. But um, there's so much to like. And, and I have to wonder if he's doing enough to keep Acosta out of the lineup. Because right now, for my money, Tanner's outplaying Acosta. Well, we don't see Acosta enough on the field to really know. Right. <laughs> um, and I, I would agree with you. I've, I've really in, enjoyed his game. So uh, they get the win in Kansas City, 3-2. Good for the team. They got a little bit of luck, but they also grinded and, and, and ground the result out. And three points from Kansas City, as Ryan Hollingshead, would, is always a good thing. So tonight they head over to the Robo Rectum, as we call it, uh, the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Atlanta United is probably uh, the more favored team over the Falcons in the city of Atlanta, at least in this particular week. And man, I you know, for all of the uh, writing online and, and articles being written and social media being said, you would think Atlanta United was the worst team ever in MLS history. And yet somehow FC Dallas managed to put out one of their worst performances of the season and lose a game one to nothing. Yeah, this is where I wonder about this team's mentality. Now, I I think some of this, and I don't want to be too harsh here, but some of this I think is on Lucci because um, they went into Atlanta, I think, expecting to win. You know, Atlanta's hadn't won in seven games. Um, they're, they're missing all their big guns and DPs who are either been sold or not. Don't have the new ones in yet. Dallas rolls out a roadsetted lineup. It still feels like they're going to walk through the game and win. Well, they did walk through the game and they didn't win. You know, they, there was a flat performance. They had no shots until after they changed like the four subs in the 70th minute mark. Was it, there just wasn't any attacking play. There wasn't any up and down. There wasn't any verticality. There wasn't any actions into the final third in the box. It was just flat all the way around. You know, Dan, I'm interested in your perspective. You know, the one good sign was is that, you know, based on some of Buzz's notes, uh, pregame notes, we weren't really expecting to see Ricarte out there. Uh, and and I'm sure Buzz will tell us why he ended up there after all. But it was an oddly quiet game from the Colombian. And I think we've all got a little bit of the hype uh, medicine in our system over this guy. But he didn't really show us much tonight. And I, and I wonder if you have an opinion as to what the reason behind that is. Uh, he seemed a little bit confused by the system in some ways. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like uh, Tanner Tasman was kind of carrying the load in the midfield. Uh, I mean, I haven't had a chance to see really what what his passing looked like through the game, but um, he just didn't seem I, I honestly, to get on. Didn't seem to have the ball very much, and when he did have it, he didn't seem to want to do much with it, which is a very which is significantly different from the previous appearances we've seen from him. Yeah, I mean, it's it was the first time I've honestly forgotten he was playing. Um, 
you know, you've seen so much of him on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball to be such a game changer. But yeah, yeah, it was it was such a strange one. But um, whether it was the stadium, whether it was the travel, I I would love to put a finger on it. I just it, it's kind of baffling. It wasn't necessarily something I brought up, but somebody did ask me, Dan Shuey asked me on uh, Twitter, and I was wondering, in hindsight, if this is true, was this actually the first game Ricarte has ever played in his life on turf? Can that be true? I mean, I, I, that's a really fair question, but he had to have played on turf in Colombia. I mean, I don't know how... I, listen, I, I'm the first to tell you, I don't know squat about the Colombian League. I mean, how, how common is turf... In Colombia, I would think in that know. climate, it would be all be grass to yeah. my thinking, but um, it's entirely possible this is first the first game. And, uh, now, the weird thing was, is I understood that coming into this game that Cirillo was going to start, and they didn't, and then and he would have been in instead of Ricarte, that it was going to be him as a six and then Sovereignia Tessman as a double. So um, I'm, I wonder if this was a surprise start for Ricarte because of the turf. They didn't think, because why would they hold him, not start him two games in a row? That would have been really weird. So to get him in there now and and to see him play sort of, I don't know, disjointed a little bit, you know, he, he thrives on chaos and there wasn't a lot of chaos because there wasn't a lot of energy. Yeah. Uh, the, the the real big difference between the two games for me was, as we spoke about earlier, Franco Hara, Jesus Freya got a, a, you know, the first start or actually his first game time in the last four games. He gets to start as the nine in the team and man, uh, what an opportunity for him to kind of recapture uh, everybody's uh, favor! And he just had an absolute nothing performance. And he, you know, how many? I think I saw, I heard Steve say that he had touched the ball maybe twelve times in the first half. And so I'm, I'm not again. I'm not clear how much of this issue with Jesus is him or the fact that the rest of the team isn't helping him very much. Boy, that's a good question. He's been kind of flat the last couple of times he's played, but I I will say that in this game I don't I don't think that the team very did a very good job of getting him much of the ball, you know I mean he had he had the best chance of the night when it, on that pass in from Reynolds early on that he fired over the top and I and I was thinking man is that the first shot of the game, you know because it, he just didn't see anything I didn't think so I maybe it's on him maybe the team doesn't feed off of him but um, I, I don't I don't think this one was all on him. You know, but when you look at the lineup, uh, you know, I, because I was, I knew there was, um, based on your notes and other things that you just kind of assumed there was going to be a pretty considerable change in lineup. But when I saw the starting lineup and I saw that he had Ricarte in there, you're thinking, oh, there's our creative midfielder that's really been creating all this stuff lately. And you've got Fafa Pico, who looked good coming in as a sub in, in a recent game, and Barrios, who seemingly is starting to feel like maybe we all feel like is starting to come around and find his place. Jesus is the one question mark. But man, this was one of the flattest, uh, flat oust worst attacking performances we've seen from this team, and I can't quite put my finger on what the genesis of, of that issue is. Well, I have a theory, and I'll see if Dan agrees with me. I, I've been harping on this for a couple of weeks now, and I and it's going to sound like I'm really slamming a particular player, and I'm not because it's not necessarily his fault because it's the nature of how he is, and that player is Johnny Nelson because you saw against Sporting Kansas City, you saw what Brian Reynolds brings going end to end. You saw it again when he subbed in against Atlanta. Now, the, the thing is, is that the way Lucci wants to play, which is a narrow 4-3-3, right? Narrow diamond in the middle, high wings that are even cutting inside and getting under the striker from time to time. In order to do that, 
all of your width has to come from your outside backs. They have to be able to run the line all the way to the other end, and they have to be offensive in nature for this system to work. So with Brian Reynolds, you have that. With Reggie Cannon, you used to have that. And with, with Ryan Nelson, Ryan Nelson, Ryan Hollingshead, you have that. Johnny Nelson, who we love, is a defensive first fullback. He's a fullback for a flat four when you have a, a wide midfielder in front of you, right? So there's a clear problem, and I can demonstrate this problem when we talk about Reto Ziegler in the Sporting Kansas City game. He passed the ball to Nelson low in the build, like the initial build out in the low third. He passed it to him twice all game, once early, and Sporting immediately doubled it and pinched him against the line, and then Reto never passed it to uh, Nelson again until very late in that game. And then in the Atlanta game, when you had Brisson in there, who, by the way, is a worse passer than Reto. I'm sure you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think we all got a very clear uh, piece of evidence of that about 30 seconds into the game when he passed it out for a corner kick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was typical. And, you know, so again, Atlanta was pinning on both of those guys and pinching on them. And now Nelson has done some good things. He's added some attacking third. Against Sporting, he had the good assist, right? He's doing progression. He's evolving how we want to see. But right now, you can't build out through him in the bottom left corner getting forward. And you can't play forward like in a normal attacking way most of the time, like you do with Reynolds, like you did with Cannon, like you do with Hollingshead. And without that working, with with Ryan playing on the wrong side, the first two-thirds of the Atlanta game were an absolute joke in terms of offensive attacking because neither one of those guys was attacking. Hmm. Yeah, and then, of course, that also adds the problem of putting Ryan on the right side. And as much as we love Ryan Hollingshead, he is uh, oof, It's not good when, he has to, when they ask him to play right fullback. It's just, yeah, it, it kind of seemed typified. There was a pass that he tried to make. Uh, if he's on the left-hand side, he's just playing it straight up uh, up the left to, uh, sorry, Fafa Pico. But on the right, he kind of freaks out a little bit, turns his body inside and just passes it straight to an Atlanta player 15 yards away. Uh, every habit of how he's, you know, where he's positioning his body in the run, where his teammates are going to be in comparison to him. He just, he every time he speaks of it, he says, yeah, it takes a few minutes to adjust, but those few minutes seem to be... At least 90 minutes. 45. Yeah, no, exactly. There's no there's no quick adjustment like there is, you know, a centre-back playing left centre-back to right centre-back. It is like everything flips. It's just, it's some meddling that just doesn't need to happen. Well, you know, in Ryan's case, he not only looks uncomfortable defensively, but that one thing that we love about his game on the left that Buzz has been talking about just essentially evaporates when he's on the right side, which is him going forward and his willingness to pass forward. And and I, it did make me wonder, uh, the kid is still a kid. Did Brian Reynolds really need a break already? I mean, I, I feel like he just started playing for the team, and I found it odd that Lucci decided to give him a rest already. Yeah, I try to wrap my brain around why you're resting Brian Reynolds, who's 19 years old and clearly doesn't need a rest. Because so, he never you know, rested Reggie. I, don't, I never remember him resting Reggie, no. even when we were all screaming, God, please give the kid a break. Yeah, I, I don't understand it, honestly, other than – Maybe thinking you wanted to reward Nelson or or maybe you wanted a defensive minded Nelson next to Brisson, maybe. I, I don't 
I'm, I'm struggling for a reason why you can't just leave Reynolds in there. Um, you know, wh- why you bother to put Hollingshead in for him? You know, if you wanted Nelson, just put Nelson in and play him with Reynolds. You don't need to then put Ryan on the right, especially because Ryan's fighting through a knock. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, I just think you're overthinking that one because uh, it's, I know Reynolds has not played a lot of games and now he is all of a sudden playing like most of every game. But the kid is 19. He's been a pro for four years now. They do this every day in training. There's no reason a 19-year-old kid needs to rest. Yeah, and uh, I'm not, as you guys know, I'm not a big fan of Brisson. I just think the idea what? of putting Brisson next to Nelson is a recipe for disaster. And there was a lot of really unfortunate moments between the two tonight. Lots of, you know, just it wasn't great. I mean, they didn't give up a goal, but you're right. It was, I mean, it completely lopsided the team to the right because – not that the right was great either, but the left they couldn't build up at all. Well, if you actually look at our uh, average positions, like you say, the entire team moves slightly left. They're, they're all trying to – there's like this bizarre curve almost in, in the team. And, uh, you know, Tanner Tessman, we, we, talk, you know, we talk about the great performance he had, and a lot of that really was just covering that left side, trying to, trying to be the Lincoln player and be the one player that could get possession up the, up the left channel. And I, you know, the thing about tonight's performance that I just found so odd, and I don't know if it's because they're playing in that massively huge stadium with nobody in it, and um, and it, or the artificial turf, or the fact that Atlanta themselves just didn't look like they had, you know, uh, uh, two volts of energy to their game whatsoever. The game just was just so slow and plotty, and and had none of the bite or the spirit of the Kansas City game. Uh, just a few days earlier, and I and I just can't. I don't know, Buzz. You've said this before, and I can't remember if you said it earlier in this particular podcast. It, it you do get the sense sometimes Lucci's teams play down or up depending on who they're playing. Yeah, they definitely feed against the opposition, which is a cliche, but it's not so much uh, feed against them in terms of quality of game. Although in this case, that did happen. But in terms of the spirit of the game, uh, Lucci's team is very reactive, I think. Like, if you come out swinging, then they're going to swing back. But if you want to just have a lazy Sunday passing around the park, then they're completely happy to have a lazy Sunday passing around the park. You know, they don't have uh, a killer instinct to, you know, crush you when you come out just to lollygag the ball around. I mean, that you saw what Atlanta brought to the table. They're missing a whole bunch of good quality players. And so right now... This team, even missing players, should have stomped that team into the ground ruthlessly, scored quick and early, and put it away, and they didn't. And I was kind of hoping that we were going to see the dream uh, triangle of homegrowns in the middle of the field with uh, Cervania, Tessman, and Cerillo. And I know that we thought Cerillo was in. Do do we know officially why Cerillo was not in the game or even on the bench? Well, Lucci said he's he's, quote, in suspension for his red card, but... Nobody followed up on the question in the postgame show, so I don't know if that means he was officially sitting for a red card or whether the team is making him sit for the red card because as far as I know, they're different teams in different leagues and they don't count. It's not like it's an open cup carryover or something where it's the same team. It's a completely different team. So I don't know why he's suspended unless, of course, internally they just decided if you're going to make a dumb decision like that, we're going to sit you. But weren't you under the impression he had been training with the first team up until today? Yeah, my spies had told me that he was playing as the six, uh, even as late as yesterday morning when they trained, um, and that something must have happened 
after that, as far as I know. I mean, listen, I'm not privy to yeah. Lucci's coaches' meetings. All I can tell you is what I hear through yeah. the grapevine about something that happened in training. And everything I was hearing was that he was going to play as the six with Tanner and uh, Cervania. You know, so it was a surprise to me that he was in there. So just backing that up as well, on, on the uh, media availability on Monday, I asked Lucci, um, you know, about Serio's availability, and he said, yeah, that he got suspended. He got sent off in USL League One, but he's available for the MLS game. Yeah, so I wonder, I, I, it seems like to me there's one of two things that happened. One is Lucci made a decision that you don't reward a player Again, I had I didn't see the whole game, but I did see the tape of the of the red card, and that was a really stupid red card to get at a bad time for them to get it against that team. And I wonder if he thought, man, can I really reward a guy by letting him start the next game on the senior team? So that would be scenario number one. Number two is, is it at all possible that somehow U.S. Soccer came back and said, no, by you can't play because he was red carded in USL, he can't play in MLS, and nobody just knew that rule. I think it's Is that even form- possible. I think it's the former because uh, it's and this I could be wrong on this, but I'm I'm fairly confident that U.S. Soccer does not actually govern Major League Soccer. That Major League Soccer is an independent company and an independent league that operates independent of U.S. Soccer. Now it is the sanctioned Division One in the United States, which means the USSF had to say, "Yeah, thumbs up." But there's been moments where uh, MLS has not followed the FIFA rules, right? We had shootouts here, right? You know, we had clocks counting down. So, I mean, like, this is not a, as far as I know, Major League Soccer is not governed by U.S. Soccer, whereas uh, I, I don't even know about USL. For all I know, USL is not governed by U.S. Soccer either. U.S. Soccer, all they do is the U.S. Open Cup and the national teams. They don't really do anything else. Yeah, I, I mean, it would seem improbable that it was a, a procedural or a rule-based thing. Would yeah. we? Ag- would, so, I guess the question is, if it was a decision that, hey, we just don't let a guy do, we, you know, we're just not going to play him because of the red card uh, that he did uh, uh, get, did he make the right decision there? Was that the right thing to do? Uh, yeah, it was. Big picture, it was. You can't... Uh, Edwin's a young kid, you know, he's, I think he's still 18. I don't think he's 19 yet. You know, you cannot reward that kind of boneheaded moment of garbage that he, cause it's not like that red card was like, Oh, Hey, I overjudged that tackle a little bit. I mean, he did a full on, uh, headbutt of the dude, Zidane headbutt, headbutt of the dude, <laughs> you know, a, more than like three seconds after the original play. Now, listen, that guy threw an elbow. I, I get that, right? But I don't know that he connected that hard. People throw elbows. You know you can't retaliate. And it wasn't just that he retaliated. It's that he got up, took like three or four steps, and then headbutted the guy in the chest. So it's like that's just, you know, and it, and that game cost, uh, that, that game might end up costing North Texas their shot at the final because, uh, that was a team that te- Texas, North Texas had beaten already just the week before and should have beat Hanley at home, and now they've tied them. So if they if they miss the playoff, there's only one playoff game, it's the final. If they miss it by a point or two, you might look back on that moment and say, man, Edwin, they, you can't do that. Dan, do you have a uh, different opinion about that situation? No, I just uh, wonder if maybe there was a, like a, a different team disciplinary issue. Um, you know, since... By all accounts, he was set to play as of what two days ago. Uh, it was sorry, as as of yesterday. It just uh, 
I don't know. It seems a very sudden change of heart. Yeah, it was. He wasn't even yeah. on the bench. They didn't even let him travel at all. And you know, and, and think about Lucci's phrasing. Man, I hate to, I hate to get nitpicky on phrasing, but he Do said Edwin was in suspension. Which he also got different. pretty agitated when I asked about Edwin. He did, like, which he, is really unlike him. Yeah. What tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because Dan asked Lucci like, "What? What? Why were Reto and Edwin not not available?" And Lucci said, "Was it not in the report?" Yeah, he kind of like snapped back. I mean, I was that's like, no. Lucci's answers are usually ten minutes. I mean, I've never and, right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and and he wasn't listed in MLS's suspension report. Granted, that can always contain mistakes, but that is derived from the league rosters, which are the gospel on that sort of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, boy, it does. Uh, just based on all that information, there's the, you, you get the sense there's way more to this story than we realize, right? Yeah, yeah. there's something else going on. Like somebody else made the decision, or uh, wow, that would that's weird. Yeah. Huh. Well, hopefully, maybe somehow we'll get to hear how that. Well, we'll, we'll came be a Lucci out. call in the next day or so, I'm sure, and we'll try and follow up and see what happened. Yeah, too bad we can't go to practice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We've beaten that horse enough. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we have yeah. not beaten that horse enough. I know. If 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 the media can go to NFL practices, why can't why can't people like you buzz go to yeah, fart and MLS practice? It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes. Um yeah, the uh, yeah the game tonight was a real disappointment, and it's, it's certainly a team that Dallas should have at least gotten some points out of. It, you know, I did I saw very little out of Atlanta's game uh, to to feel that that was a threat at all to Dallas. And by the way, what was the other question? Is that the first time Emerson Hyman has ever played against FC Dallas? I can't answer that, but I think it uh, is entirely possible that it could be. They've only played each other like four times since well, he's been signed. Well, so he he joined them mid-season last season, right? Or did he join in the beginning of the 2019 season? Oh man, I think it was mid-season. So, I don't see I don't I would think I would remember if Emerson played against Dallas and I can't recall that he's ever played against them before. And that just to me is so interesting about, you know, the connection, the family connection and everything. Not that he was very good tonight. Maybe I understand better why he never got a start, regular start with Bournemouth because he wasn't particularly good tonight. Yeah, I, he was just sort of, I don't know, I feel like he's one of those guys that without some pieces around him, he just kind of floats through the games a little bit. And it, uh, it looks like he has never played against Dallas. I can't find Dallas on those game logs. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that kind of uh, comes to bear out of this, and I was talking about Brisson earlier, is is that with uh, Rito taking a rest, because obviously uh, he, unlike Brian Reynolds, is not a teenager and and needs to take a game off here or there, is the weakness of that center, bo- center back position in terms of depth. If Brisson's the only one they've got to go to, um, uh, that that obviously creates a bit of a problem. And is there any sense that the club is doing uh, lining up anybody to come in uh, and help fill out that in terms of depth, Buzz? No, not in terms of signing. Um, you know, and I'm with you. Bresson is not good enough, uh, especially at the amount of money he's getting paid. I mean, like if you can't beat out 34 year old Ziegler, then you're not going to be the answer, right? Um, now, for me, the other two options are Callum Montgomery and Nikosi Burgess. Now, I think. And I'd love to hear Dan's take too. I uh, I think Nikosi has got a lot of potential, but right now is just not anywhere close to being ready to play. I don't think. Now, Callum Montgomery, I thought was on the verge of being ready to play, and I and I actually predicted at the beginning of the year. You may remember this. I predicted by the end of the year he would be getting starts in Reto's spot. Now, 
he was supposed to go to San Antonio, who, by the way, are the best team in USL one, USL championship, excuse me, and play like just like maybe five games, 10 games to get sort of get ready to come back and get those games. Unfortunately, because of COVID, it kind of has become a go and stay there. But I do know that the team, Lucci and um, the front office, uh, Marco Ferruzzi, and that's not really front office, but game ops uh, playing side, technical director side, those guys are in constant contact with Callum. So um, I'm pretty sure he's in the plans. And I think when the USL championship season ends, he will be back. And I'm still confident that he will be in the mix before the end of the year. So I, I have not seen enough out of Burgess yet to think he's an answer for next year. You have to the end of this season to decide if Callum Montgomery is the answer or not, because I don't think you can go into 2021 with Ziegler at 35. As your start, as your, as starter. your starter. Yeah. I mean, if Would he you wants to be like a backup, half, sure. If he'll take a pay cut, maybe he could be like an assistant coach kind of backup, you know, half and half, like, um, uh, Hernandez did way back in the day, Daniel Hernandez, you know, that's a viable mm-hmm. or Michelle kind of was, those are viable options. I'm not saying don't bring him back, but if you have a 35 year old as your common starter at center back in this league, cause he's already too slow and it's going to get slower by the minute, you know? Uh, and one of the, the other person we haven't really talked about a lot. And, and I think maybe is reflective of his overall performance is Brandon Cervania, who has, uh, come back to get some time here. Uh, recently, any any reaction, Dan, on his performance uh, here of late? Uh, a little bit quiet today, although everybody was. So, uh, not much you can can really put into that, right? Um, yeah, he's he's kind of he's he's doing his bit. He's certainly looking better than uh, Brian Acosta, although um, so are you, Peter. Uh, he's. Wow. You haven't seen Peter play. Huh? I've played with Peter before. Oh, have you? Oh, yeah. Um, I just think he's he's being uh, outshined by Tanner Tessman significantly. Unless, yeah. uh, you know, in that midfield three, that's that's going to make his uh, well really one position open that they're competing for if if everyone's fit that. That, that's that's kind of a, a big hindrance to uh, Brandon Savania, daughter Dustman. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because we're we're at this point now. We we know what the rest of the season looks like in terms of a schedule. Um, Buzz, I'm I'm interested if you if Lucci came to you and said, uh, Buzz, I want you to do the lineup tonight. What is your what is your best lineup for FC Dallas at this point? Uh, on the left, Fafa, Har in the middle, Barrios on the right, Ricarte. Tessman, Santos is the six, uh, Hollingshead, Ziegler, Hedges, uh, Reynolds, and Maurer. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about any of those, frankly. Yeah, when you, when you say that, the real difference uh, in the two games, Kansas City and uh, Atlanta to me, were, were, is the, the two missing elements, which was uh, Hara's work effort, uh, work ethic at the nine, and the uh, – seriously uh, insane amount of work that Tiago Santos does. It's not always the best work, but that guy covers a ton yeah. of ground for this team. Um, uh, and so those were the two, th- those were the two players that I thought really made the big difference uh, between the two games in terms of what was missing or the, you know, uh, 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 tonight in, in Atlanta. Santos intensity too. It's like, you know, he wouldn't be an MLS if he didn't have flaws. Right. So it's his intensity and focus that he brings to the game. And late in the last game, we thought he looked tired. So we're like, Oh good. We'll get him a rest. Right. So, I mean, he should be focused and back and ready to go. 
Well, and that may, you know, the fact that Cerillo wasn't in the game and whatever the uh, extenuating circumstances are around his uh, absence tonight, which clearly <laughs> it's got Lucci in a bad mood, um, uh, you know, was probably a missed opportunity. And if it was, my thought is, is that if in fact it was decided that, that he needed to be punished, man, that kid learned a lesson because he had a real opportunity oh. to show off tonight. Yeah. What a blown chance for an 18 year old kid to get back in the lineup. Uh He's got a big future. I'm real excited about him, but this is a learning chance, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, this would have been what his first start in over a year by now. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it would have. uh, Yeah. That. Hopefully you guys will get an opportunity to get some clarification on what happened there. The other thing uh, I just want to wrap up on this uh, is going back to Jesus, because I don't think we talked enough about this. I don't know what at this point Lucci does about his favorite player because tonight, again, it just was not a very good performance. Again, I'm not 100% sure how much he's at fault here, although Ricarte was out on the field, and he's pretty good at getting the ball to people who are in good positions, and I just didn't see much out of Jesus tonight. Well, yeah. Uh, Part of it, I think, is they don't know what to do with him. You know, he doesn't have a defined position he has like five positions and you're but right we were told he was going to be the new the up and coming nine you know well he's not though now i mean i mean i you might argue that peppy should be in there instead of him frankly especially with the way he played and this year has been super flat honestly ever since he got the big contract maybe yeah. <laughs> really yeah i hate to put it that way but um it's not i got a lot of confidence in the kids eventual high quality but right now we're just not seeing a lot of it uh, anything else about the Atlanta or Kansas City games you guys want to uh, discuss before we move on to yeah. other things? Yeah, oh. I'm ready to sell Santiago Mascara. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Man, I'm done. The, the missed assignment for the Russell goal in the yeah. Kansas City game. Uh, he almost gave up another goal tonight on a, just a weird – just the overall – look, I know the kid scored a hat trick, but all of the reasons why I was angry or annoyed by his hat trick in the Houston game or whatever game that was. I can't remember who that was we saw him against. Who was that, Buzz? Colorado. Colorado, thank you. Um, was Have been on display in these the yeah. next two performances. Yeah, that's the thing is you can't rely on them. It's like some moments are great and exciting and amazing, and then it's just terrible. I mean, like the, he had a chance to score tonight when that ball's – it's admittedly the ball's coming across his body, and rather than letting it come across and driving it with his left foot, he opened himself up and swung with the right foot. Well, the, it's easier to hit that with your right foot. You can make a nice broad swing and get a nice soft whatever instead of letting it come across, which is harder, and driving it. You know, it's just a letdown. It's just there's no – you know, there's no no mental toughness with that kid, and I and I can't rely on him. The team can't rely on him. Excuse me, as I hiccup in the middle of that. Uh, so, frankly, you know what? Sell him if you can get a bag of balls for him at this point. Move his contract out of here. Get rid of him. He's probably too expensive to sell him at this point. Actually, uh, Dan, do you have any of your eloquent words that you'd like to throw in and dogpile on Santiago Mascara? Get him, Dan. No, you don't kick someone when they're down, especially not when they're that bloody useless. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I forgot to bring up that I thought is a, a point of controversy, Dan, um, is the actual goal, the one goal that happened in the game, which was the uh, the penalty kick for the mysterious handball on the good Matt Hedges. Now, I've watched this replay a thousand times, all the different angles. It 
in my from what I am seeing, it clearly bounces off the ground and he puts his head down to head it and he heads it into some mysterious place that is either his upper arm or chest. Before we go anywhere else with this, can do, do the two of you agree with me that it came off his head onto whatever it touches from that point, or am I seeing this wrong? This is shoulder, so that's irrelevant. I mean, that that is no, 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 no. I'm saying, do, do you agree with me that it comes off the ground first and first hits him in the head, and he heads it, he heads it down onto oh, yeah. whatever we. Okay, so so you agree so, that it hits his head first? Yes. So there is a weird scenario with this because we we're all going on the what the referee saw in the VAR since you know MLS has uh, since MLS has back tournament done this whole magical thing of letting us see what the ref sees and we saw the view right it was bouncing back and forth he was looking at you know head shoulder head shoulder head shoulder head shoulder and then he went forward a little bit to where it bounces back off the ground again the board is obscured by the body of somebody uh ryan holland's head and supposedly in that space which you cannot see from any single angle the ball hits hedge's hand or brushes his hand slightly um now hedges after huh? the game yeah there's no clear angle of it but it was just it seems to be it was a just on suspicion thing um, so what Hedges said after the game was, where else am I supposed to put my hands? I guess I could sew them to my sides, but even then it's still going to hit that spot because his hands are in a natural position by his sides. Yeah, but I think this is all made moot by the fact that the ball comes off his head. If you go read the Law 12 in the uh, in Laws of the Game, the law is clearly written. I even tweeted it out that it is not a handball if the ball is comes off the player's head or foot onto the arm. Like he he literally yeah. could head the ball into his hand, and that is not a handball. No, you, you're completely right, and it's the referee has blown blown it by some bizarre interpretation that no longer that hasn't existed for several years. But you know, there's certainly several catch points. Like if it creates a scoring opportunity. Uh, if it results and sure. if it ends in a goal, but those are on the attacking side, and it doesn't no. deny a goal. It actually resulted in a shot from Jeff Lorenowitz three yards out that he that he missed. So I I can't get my head around it. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer that all these things equal out over time. It's just that I'm frustrated that it 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 seems to me that the ref forgot this element of the rule about that a player can't head the ball onto his own arm and it be a handball. I mean, the laws are very clear about that. It's it's kind of frustrating because you've got the VAR and the AVAR both have to agree on it and, and communicate that down to the ref. The ref then has to look at it. So three people have then thrown the, the actual rule, the, the law of the game, completely out the window to then say that he made a clear and obvious mistake by something that you can't even see on the replay. Right. On the yeah. on a suspicion, it's 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 insane. If this yeah. happened to Atlanta, uh, you know, a team with a big fan base, it'd be outraw. Yeah, it's frustrating. And again, it it just it can can continues to confirm my contention that the only way, and I believe this for all sport, the only way video review should be allowed, you can use all the angles you want. You can have a hundred thousand camera angles. They all just have to be shown in real time. No slow motion. Because slow motion goofs everything up and it's the one element that the referee can't 
do, right? And it just adds all of these weird elements to when you're reviewing a situation. If you can't clearly see the fract the infraction in real time, then don't call it, right? Even if it even through a hundred different angles, you still can't see it in real time, then it didn't happen. If you have to slow it down frame by frame and zapruder it, you're just wasting everybody's time. Well, yeah, that doesn't fall under clear and obvious error. It's not clear and obvious if if you have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, my version of that is the offsides rule. Not here, but the way they do it in England, where they draw the line and they're looking at like pixels. Oh, the, I'm like, get rid of the line, dude. If you can't eyeball it and clearly tell he's on or off, then it's not clear and obvious. It's like no, they, no drawing lines. Just now? look at it. I don't know. I don't, I'm no, not they have not gotten away with it because they yeah. used it uh, in the uh, they used it in the in the one of the games this weekend. Um, but that is the one thing that MLS does with VAR that is superior to everybody else is they use the eyeball test on offside. Yeah. Uh, and, and VAR uh, reviewing offside situations. I mean, it, so. It's nice now that, you know, in the broadcast you do get those views um, because it does mean that you can call out BS things like that or you can see the definitive proof and say, okay, that is the correct decision. Do we all agree they should bring back the thing from the MLS bubble where you could hear the refs talking? Oh, to the I, that's, a, that's oh, exactly oh, yeah. uh, You guys know I've been prattling on about that forever, that they need to broadcast the communication between VAR and the center referee. I, that was such a huge thing they did in the bubble. And it, and every, and, and what happened the minute they started doing it, it was the one thing everybody talked about. Yeah, so good. Right. Yeah. And it's so, such a, uh, you know how um, Pro does this YouTube series where they take a couple of the reviews and they do they actually show the the uh, they give the audio between the VAR and the ref. Yeah. If this doesn't appear on next week's, does that mean that they said I think it was so just give it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could be, man. I mean, that's it's a pretty a pretty miserable performance, um, you know. And again, it's one of those deals where I, I don't think that particular call is the reason why Dallas lost the game. Dallas lost the game because they just weren't. Oh no, didn't play very it's, well. It's a terrible nil nil. That either way, at the end of the season, you're probably going to look back on and say, "Hmm, missed out on a decent seeding because of that." But yeah, one point is still better than none. For sure. All right. And, you know, the uh, first see. real chance of the game didn't come until like the 80th minute. Well, we know now uh, the most unstable thing in sport, which was that nobody knew what the rest of their schedule looked like, has finally been resolved. As, uh, I think it was yesterday, Major League Soccer finally filled out the rest of the schedule. We know what Dallas's season looks like going forward from here. And good Lord, it gets tough right off the bat. Is Dallas now uh, at home on Sunday faces uh, the hottest team in the league. They won again tonight, by the way. I think they're on uh, a winning streak of seven. Is that what they're on? They're on a, a win. Yeah, they have not lost in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They beat Sporting KC tonight, two to one, uh, in Kansas City. Oscar Perea returns to town, and then they follow that up by facing the first place Columbus Crew. Yeah, those two games are very difficult, but then... Uh, not to d- diverge from your point, but then after that, uh, this schedule is a gift that keeps on giving. But let's talk about those two games. Columbus was, when I looked yesterday, was in first place and has only lost one game all year. And uh, Orlando is as hot as it gets. And that Poppy's got that team playing some amazing soccer. So, I again, I think that the, uh, uh, Lucci rested players in both of these two games in order to focus on those two upcoming games. Yeah, he was talking during the week. Uh, I, I'd asked him about 
uh, resting players and you know and he came out with this uh completely off subject he went you know it's really difficult when two weeks ago we didn't know we'd be traveling to atlanta tonight and you know we've only just found out what early october looks like and you're probably going to hear it tomorrow so it's really difficult for us to to try and account for all of that yeah, you know, Buzz, and this is really, uh, you're going to learn a lot about this team over the course of the next week because they do essentially get almost a full week off. They play Sunday night against Orlando, uh, and then they get, get, luckily for them, they get both these, both of these hard teams at home. Yeah. Uh, and if you get good performances out of these, you know, they don't necessarily have to win. You just want them to see like they're competitive against these two teams, really taking a measure of where their game is at. Yeah, this is the measuring stick swing these two games because these two teams are excellent and you're going to find you're going to have your team as complete as it's been in a while and as injury free as it's been in a while and as rested as and as it's been in a while missing Paxton of course but other than that you're good to go really so uh these this is a huge test but then after that it's like you got six of your remaining games at home uh you get Houston twice you got Minnesota twice you got inner Miami, who's beatable. You got Nashville, who should be beatable. You got RSL, who's not that great. So it's like they've set this thing up for Dallas to be able to take care of their own business and be in a really good position the rest of the way once they clear these two games and find out how good they really are. There's also this weird hurdle of not knowing when that second Nashville game is going to be. That is weird. Wait, say that again? They have one more makeup game with Nashville that hasn't been scheduled or announced. It's just floating out there in the ether. Wait, no, no. This is yeah. the no. This is the third Nashville game. No, but there's four. There's one more. I know you don't. You're you're like you're crazy. No, the games that have been scheduled are the games that are officially phase three. The floating game out there is the third oh. uh, makeup game. This is this Nashville game. It's on the schedule. Was just one that they got assigned as part of the regular process of yeah. phase three. Okay, well, that aside, you do make a very good point about the, the, the softness of the schedule because I'm sitting here looking at it. Other than KC, who they've now uh, gotten four points out of at, uh, on the road uh, in two games, that's the only team they face that is above them in the standings after they get past Orlando and uh, Columbus. The rest of it are teams well, you know, Minnesota is only a point behind them, um, but, you know, Houston, Salt Lake, and uh, who's the other one they've got to face? Enter Miami. Enter uh, Miami are all pretty, you know, yeah, that's a really, that does line up very good for them. And at the end of the day, we all know they just need to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and, and, and all the, you know, the wackiness assume, uh, uh, begins there. Yeah, they've done, them, nice. the, the league's done them a favor with this schedule, you know, uh, in terms of taking care and being able to control their destiny. They're not going to rely on anybody else. Well, they also don't have a single West Coast trip, which is historically where yeah, FC Dallas falls is. Yeah. No, no LA, no Portland, no Seattle. Goodness, that is I mean, uh, like going amazing. to Atlanta and going to Minnesota were the, are the worst ones. I mean, Enter comes here. Going to Salt Lake's a little far, but it's not that far. You know, it's only a little further than Denver. So it's like, have either one of you taken a time to kind of look at other teams' schedules and make comparisons to how difficult that Dallas is, is to theirs? No, I haven't done any kind of breakdown. Sounds like a good idea for a post. You should do that, Pete. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. Right, right after you do um, the Haro 9 thing. Yeah, after my Haro 9. No, I'm still trying to finish up my uh, annual uh, FC Dallas uh, weird story uh, post. Yeah. Here's um, mascara hat trick on it, yeah. 
Oh, because yeah. it's a negative thing, not a positive thing. <laughs> well, in Mascara some ways, that is a negative thing. But um, Santi's on there though already. He is. Isn't he part of the guys that got suspended for that? Oh, uh, that's right. Yes, at the RSL trip, he and um, right. Jesse and uh, uh, Grasso. Oh, was it Gresso? It, it was wasn't Harley, It was Carlos Gresso. That's my yeah. bad. It, it, and uh, Chili Boy, whatever his name was. Yeah, we'll get that completed and posted here sometime soon. Um, all right, so we know the schedule. Uh, or Man, it, I am so bummed out I can't go to the game Sunday night. It would be so great to see Oscar Gammon. He has that team just humming. Boy, yeah. I mean, the guy can coach, right? I mean, we knew that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, what do you want to I mean. You know, he's a great coach, and he's he's gotten more out of less. It's not like they've added a bunch of dudes. You know, he's convinced guys that they can play. No, Self-belief, I mean, right? That's his thing. Yeah, he's only lost one game. I mean, they, uh, you know, they got to the final of the MLS is back tournament. Or did they win it? Final? Yeah, they, did they lost win? to Portland. They lost to Portland. They lo- right? That's right. They lost to Portland. The They lost... Uh, on the 22nd of August against Miami. And since then, they beat Nashville. They beat Atlanta. They tied Nashville, tied Atlanta. Those are, those are their four kind of regional games. And since then, they've beaten Miami, beaten Chicago, and beaten Kansas City on the road. Uh, and they are now undefeated in their last six before they come to Dallas. And they're arguably the hottest team in the league right now. Uh, and uh, as uh, Oscar returns to town... Uh, for the first time since he left uh, so long ago. Peter, imagine if uh, Oscar wins a title in his first season in Orlando. Oh, God. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. that be the perfect? You could put that on your FC Dallas list of, yeah, we're of stuff have, right there. Yeah, boy, we could. And you're going to have to take all the sharp objects, medicine, and <laughs> firearms out of my house because that'll just yeah. drive me to no You'll end. get a lion's tattoo. No, I won't do that. I'm, no, I, I won't go that far. Um, okay, anything else that you wanted to throw out there, Buzz? I feel like we've been prattling on for a long, two time, way too long a time. Uh, sure. The only thing is, this Friday, uh, North Texas Soccer Club has a rematch of last year's championship game against uh, Greenville Triumph. It'll be it's at Greenville, so it'll be on ESPN Plus. But uh, that's a big uh, test for them to find out whether they're really on their way back to being good after their slow start so if you like the north texas stuff which i of course do i'll be tuning in everybody should watch it. it's on friday and what's the what's their place in the standings at this point oh you put me on the spot I, they're actually in the bottom half I, I don't remember off the top of my head but um they're still basically you know five or six points off of that second spot with seven games to play so like if they go on a run and win four or, f- four or five out of the last seven, then they could still get in, basically. So, And they, they've got their MVP back, and they've got Benia in, which helped them change like three or four things in defense. So it's entirely possible they could do it if they can stop getting red cards for headbutting people in the chest. Hmm. Just maybe not this Friday when they play the top team. Yeah, Greenville is the best team in the league, so this is going to be a tough one. But, um, yeah. you know, tune right. in. All right, I'm going to before we end this uh because I feel like we're kind of really deep into the season and I'm still not 100% sure I quite have a handle on which version of FC Dallas this team really is. So I'm going to ask you both a question. Is this the team that um beat Houston 2 to 1? The team that goes on the road and beat Sporting Kansas City 2-3 to three and got really lucky to get the win? Or is this more like the team that played in Atlanta tonight and lost one nothing? I'll let you go first, Dan. Why is it always me for these ones? 
Uh, it's uh, it's definitely an amalgamation of both. They... No, you got to pick one. Tell me which team this is. I, I I can't figure it out. I'm so confused. It's it's whatever team they're playing against, effectively. That's how their intensity seems to pan out. You talk hmm. about Houston and Sporting Kansas City, two, two great rivals. Ryan Hollins had said this the Sporting's the best place to win points. Yeah. The guy that's never cussed in his life. So considering uh, how good uh, uh, Columbus yeah. and Orlando have been playing, they should come out guns a-blazing is what you're predicting. Well, we don't even know that. Uh, you know, We know that they look at the Western Conference as six-pointers and the Eastern Conference as three-pointers. So maybe they're saying, oh, we only lose three points if we, if we don't win. Hmm. Yeah, it's, you have a, it's, yeah. yeah, I think this team is where I predicted they would be uh, prior to the season, which is third or fourth best in the West. I have them behind Seattle and Portland still, but I think they're better than sporting. I think they're better than Colorado. Amazingly, I think they're better than LAFC. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Better than Minnesota. So I think this little this Atlanta game is actually going to be a little bit of a wake-up call, and they're going to play some pretty good soccer against these next two games and realize that they're better than they think they are. So I have them as third or fourth best in the West. That's kind of the problem with them, is, is their talent level and their mentality just never seem to mesh. What do you mean by that? Well, look at look at tonight. That was a much better team. That should have been a much better team than than Atlanta, uh, particularly after the subs came on. It actually resembled a starting lineup, but they just farted around the field. Kind of looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, well, they but they looked pretty. They looked considerably more dangerous once they made the substitutions. They actually put shots on. They still got one shot on target. In was it only game. one after after the subs? It was one through the whole game. Oh wow! I didn't realize it had only ended up at one. Yeah, that sucks. That's pretty bad. All right. Well, uh, you guys aren't helping me. I'm just trying to figure out which team this is. I guess we'll find out as the season continues to go on. Right? Yeah, as always. It's whatever team you want it to be, Peter. <laughs> whatever. And uh, wait, the the other thing I just real quickly, Buzz, you seem very perturbed that they wore all white tonight in Atlanta. Ugh. Well, why? What? What? What would you suggest they have worn tonight? Blue shorts. But Atlanta's wearing black shorts, and navy yeah. doesn't contrast enough with black. So you nah, want to wear as much matter. contrast? Oh, shorts okay. don't matter. The I think jersey- that's where you and I. I think that's where you and I differ on the uh, kit assignment. Oh no, you, you can see dark shorts against dark shorts all the time. As long as the predominant jersey color is light to dark, and as long as the socks are contrasting, that's with socks where you look at the ball and the body where you look at the man. Shorts mm-hmm. don't matter. You can wear blue shorts against black. That's no problem at all. I'd like right. to see their record in all white. I think it's bad. Well, that sounds it. like a posting for thirddegree.net yeah. that you can write. Peter, man, that's like five stories for you this week, <laughs> buddy. I'm that excited. sounds more like a John Leonard post. <laughs> oh, that it is does, a actually. Post. You're right. <laughs> it does sound like a, a yeah, John Leonard post. Yeah, I'm just, I, I think that they overblown these mismatches, right? Of like, you have to have the whole thing. No, you can, like, when Argentina plays France, the Argent, like France is in there all blue or whatever, and Argentina's in the blue and white stripe, totally like a light color, totally different. They make Argentina play in white shorts. That's stupid. Wear the normal shorts with the white socks. It's completely different. looks totally different. It's like every, the stupid FIFA rules and stupid MLS rules for jerseys. You're way overthinking it. 
Yeah, I love it when Buzz gets fired up. Man, I get fired up about dumb crap, and that's one of the things that fires me up is that one. (laughs) You got more fired up about that than you did the team's performance tonight. Yeah, because the team's performance bummed me out, and it's lackadaisical, but that's just mentality. It's like there wasn't, it's not like you saw like individual breakdowns or guys making mistakes. They were just flat. Whereas, like, the. Sh- oh, I don't the- know. I'm Brisson kicking the ball out for a corner well, kick 10 seconds into the game. <laughs> it didn't get you a goal, though. You know, and it's like, whereas the thing about the uniforms is it's like someone is making a high level decision. Yeah. And they're making it because they're lazy, because they can't be bothered to, to they're just going to, oh, we'll just make it this and that way everyone's the same and who cares? Well, you get 30 stupid solid white jerseys that way. And you look boring and ugly and no one likes your league. So don't be <laughs> stupid. Damn, Don. Yeah. I love it when Buzz rants Man. about something. Yeah, don't get me started. Don't get him started. Can, can this be That's, like the, the little cold open every single week? I, actually, I think we've <laughs> don't now... Don't be stupid. I think yeah. we've, uh, we now have a new, uh, a new segment on the podcast. It's Buzz's yeah. Don't Get Me Started. Don't Get Me Started. Soapbox. That's what the Patreon is for. I do my little Don't Get Me Started. It's on there when I get fired up about stuff. Uh, all right. Well, uh, all right. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we stop this thing for the evening and I go to bed? Well, just thanks once again to today's promoting, presenting sponsor, Pappy Check. Triple Dirk album on Spotify. Check it out. I liked it. See if you like it. Vamos FCD. He's a big fan. Sports the podcast. Love it. Yeah, I'll listen to it. I'm going to go listen to Pappy Check's. Song Football Para Todos. Yeah. Right now. That's good stuff right there. That uh, song apparently will... is inspired by back in, in uh, I think it was in Argentina when they, they had all the, every game was on free for a couple of years. That's what that was, name is from. So he told me about that song. Dan, I, we will, uh, and we will expect you to do your own rendition of that song on next week's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> all right well uh dan you go practice your karaoke thank you very much for your time tonight thank you and buzz as always thank you and thank you good fc dallas curious fan we'll speak to you next week in another edition of third degree the podcast <laughs>